Welcome to Parenting Decoded, a podcast for practical approaches to parenting. I'm Mary Eschen. Today, with coronavirus keeping families in close quarters, I wanted to do a special podcast to help with tantrums that might be happening way too often. Tantrums can be so draining and disruptive to happy family life. So in this hour of great need, I'm going to talk about the emotion behind tantrums, how to set up calm down time, and then how to brainstorm with our kids after the emotion of the tantrum or bad behavior has passed. The target for this is really parents of toddlers through elementary school. So if you have a teen, I'd recommend that you listen to my second podcast called Teens Respect Emotions and Brains. With that said, let's head on to our discussion on what to do with tantrums. The problem with a little one having a tantrum is that it often sets us off, turning us into angry, frustrated parents who are yelling and screaming, right? Tantrums often happen when we are most rushed or pressed for time. Bedtime, getting to school, having to leave a party, getting off electronics, brushing teeth, having to do homework, having to practice piano. All sorts of inconvenient times tantrums happen. We're just trying to get life going in the right direction when, wham, another tantrum hits and really sets us off. Why me? Why again? Why is my kid always doing this? What's wrong with them? My other kids aren't this bad. What's wrong with me? So many emotions flying, and they can send us into our own adult tantrum. Well, we need to help ourselves in these situations by remembering to keep calm and be loving. Yes, it will be hard to do when our kid is having a meltdown, but you need to just do that. Keep calm and be loving. When they when we get pushed into yelling ourselves, it means that our thinking brain has turned off and we're in our emotional flight and fight fight and flight brain, which is never good when dealing with kids and tantrums. So having ways to keep our anger under control is necessary, and I'll do a future podcast on that subject in the future. But for now, I need you to just keep the thought in your mind that your children's tantrum isn't about you. It's about them and their inability to control their world. It's okay if they're upset. Your child has very few skills, especially under the age of five, when it comes to letting you know their dissatisfaction with whatever it is that they don't like. They can yell, cry, scream, kick, fall on the floor like a wet noodle or or bite. That's it. Later on when they're teens, they might be able to verbally spar with you, but not too much when they're really young. So you have to keep your emotions under control and just deal with theirs. Again, you need to be calm and loving. Now that we know that the tantrum is about our kids' emotions and not ours, here's what we need to do next. Have a safe place in your house that you can designate as a calm-down location. You can even ask your child during a non-emotional time where they might like to calm down when they become upset. You need to set up a situation where your child knows and trusts you love them unconditionally And that you tell them that when they get really upset, you want to give them space to be by themselves and to have some alone time to calm down. This calm down area is a place that you need to make sure that they understand is not a place for punishment. It's a time of love and understanding that we all need time to calm down when we're upset. Now that you have a place that you might want to make sure it's safe, 
Most of the time, it's a bedroom. But wherever it is, it needs to be a place that your child is free to roam around in. If you have a smaller child who is still in a crib, you can use a crib for that child. But if your child's out of a crib, you would allow them to ideally have access to the whole room. They can have books and stuffed animals and things like that to help them calm down. It's all okay since this is a calm down place, like I said, not a place for punishment. There might be a time where you have to remove books if they throw them and wreck them, but for now, let them have stuff to do. They won't even see the stuff when they're in full-blown meltdown, meltdown mode, but as they come out of it, it can help. You should also explain to your child that as long as they stay in the room until they are calm, then the door can stay unlocked and open. Once they calm down, you'll set a timer for three to five minutes, and as long as they can keep staying calm during that time, then they'll be able to come out. You love them and will be waiting for them to come out and be calm and join and rejoin the family. The next phase, after your child knows what calm down time is, is to wait. Yep, you wait until a tantrum happens. When your child starts having a meltdown, you're going to ask them if they'd like some calm down time. If they're small, under five or so, um, they can. You can ask them if they want to walk themselves to their room, or if you want to, or if you need to carry them. If they're older, you can help direct them, or just ask them to go to the calm down location. You do this in a calm, loving voice. No yelling. You say something like, "Wow, I can tell you're really upset. It looks like you need some time to calm down." Let's go ahead and head to the calm down room. Or you might say, let's go ahead and head to your bedroom if it's a bedroom that's the location. They might not be in great shape, but you make sure in a loving manner that they get to the location. If you happen to have older kids that refuse to go, then just let them be and say, okay, we'll talk about this later. I'm going to a different location so I can remain calm. And then you get out of the way. I'll talk about what to do with those rebellious kids in a minute, but for now, let's assume your child made it to the room. Now you're going to let them choose whether or not they have the door open or closed. Keep in mind that the goal is to have them calm down. It doesn't matter if their door is open or closed as long as they stay in their room. I'd start with the door open, and if they come out, then it will be a signal that they need the door closed. Many kids will be crying and won't even be able to think. If they come out, with the door closed, then you're going to quote-unquote lock it, for which a small child is going to mean you take a towel and you flip it over the top of the door and then you push the door in so that it's jammed. You aren't going to leave them in there forever and really lock them in, and you're certainly not going to leave the house. But one thing you really don't want to do is stand there holding the door closed with your hands. If you did, the struggle over the door handle would give the kid a lot of power and you would distract from the, the whole purpose of this whole pro process. So don't stand there holding the door handle. Use that towel over the door. So you get the door closed and quote unquote locked if you need to, but don't stay right next to the door. You're going to go ahead and start to make dinner or even read a book or watch TV with your other kids. You're going to create a loving environment outside the calm down place where once the tantrum's over, the kid can come back to. Now you're going to wait again. You're going to wait until you hear no fussing, no crying, no yelling, no pleading. 
Once it's all quiet, you go ahead and open the door and you ask if they're ready to set the timer. And you had already explained to them what the timer was going to be. So you set that timer. And if they start fussing or crying anytime during that time, you're going to let them know with empathy and love that it seems like they need a bit more time to calm down. However, if they can remain calm, then you go ahead and you have an egg timer or some other hand timer, not your cell phone, and you leave it either in the room or if you don't trust them to not reset it, then you, or turn it off, you put it outside the room and you let it run until it beeps. Your child then can open the door and come out. Then you give them hugs and kisses and you say you're so happy to see them again that they're calm. No need to go over why they went into the calm down room in the first place. They already know that they hit their brother or threw something when they weren't supposed to or wrecked their sister's post or whatever it was that made them so mad and, and sent them into a meltdown. Just let love be the result of when they come out after the calm down time. Now that the calm down time's over, it means that your child's brain has turned back on to their thinking brain. Lots of the time, this calm down time accomplishes what it needs to, especially for really young ones. Our kids' emotions boil up inside them, and they just need to safely let them out and know that we'll love them when it's over. That's why all the love and stuff when they come out of the room. However, there are some situations where some or some kids who just keep having tantrums, and we need to spend some time brainstorming with them, and I call that special time. This is a time when there aren't other siblings and is with only one parent, a time that the parent can set up that is without emotion and isn't right after the tantrum. You'll also use special time with those older rebellious kids that I was talking about a few minutes ago who refused to go into the calm down location. You're going to do this same special time with them. And I would wait probably a half a day maybe even a full day or two, or maybe the weekend or something like that to try special time. And you might need to coordinate with your spouse to take over for your, uh, with your other children or even send your kids to a friend's house or grandparents. In this time, it might be a little difficult to do that, but have it be where it's just you and that kid. You want to be able to create an environment where you don't get interrupted. Now, when you start the special time, I would say that you should be like cuddling at home somewhere, either on your bed or on their bed, or maybe a favorite couch. It doesn't have to be someplace exotic, just someplace that's relatively soothing and without too many other distractions. Tell your child that it's, it's special time, you know, give it a name so that they can come to look forward to this as they see that it's a really special, wonderful, loving time for them to be able to spend with you. Next, you're going to calmly and lovingly say something like, wow. The other day, you sure were upset. Can we talk about that? I want to brainstorm with you and figure out what we can do to help so that you don't have that issue in the future. And then you're going to talk about what you might do and try to use open-ended questions if you can instead of yes-no ones so that they can maybe get a real discussion going. But you want to be a team. And for the most part, these special brainstorming sessions, they're going to be for kids about four or older. But if you have Feel free to try them on littler ones, too. You be the judge of when to start them. But it's usually for a little bit older kid to have the brainstorm. So, all right, that's the learning part of the podcast. So you've got all those different things you're going to do. I'm going to tell you two stories of from that were from parents who attended the parenting 
the Love and Logic Way class that I've been a facilitator for for many years. Um, one story is about a parent of a three-and-a-half-year-old who really needed calm down time, and the other is about um, has a first grader who, turn, who turned out really needing the brainstorming session um, after some particularly bad behavior. So in the first story, it mentioned Love and Logic's Institute's toddler-specific technique called the Uh-Oh Song. It's an amazing technique, and I'll put some references into my podcast notes if you'd like more details and some examples of um, what to do with toddlers. Um, Love and Logic has some references that um, you can go to their website and really learn more about that. I can't recommend it enough. But So I'm going to tell you first that story um, that has to do with that. So here's what the mom wrote me after uh, she was in my class. So she said, my oldest son is three and a half years old. Before I took this class, we did a variation of timeout um, for when he had temper tantrums where I just put him in his room. But after a few minutes, um, I'd ask him to calm down and I'd, he, he, I'd ask him to calm down before he could come out. Basically, I would then help him calm down by holding him or whatever. So a few days ago, I decided to apply what we learned about in class, about the uh-oh song and, the, and followed the steps, specifically leaving him in his room until he calmed down as on his own. Well, he screamed and screamed on and off for an hour and 15 minutes. She put two exclamation points. It was agonizing listening to him, and so many thoughts were going through my mind. But I stuck with it and followed through with a three-minute timer after he calmed down and then invited him to come out. He was like a new kid, super grateful to be out and so helpful, with such a great attitude afterwards. I can imagine that the key to this technique is being super consistent so that he really learns that the quicker he calms down, the sooner he can come out. I'm looking forward to hopefully taking less time next time. Keep, I keep thinking about that example you shared about these investments we make now during parenting, even though they can be heartbreaking and challenging, will really pay off later. Such a cool story. Now for the second one. Here's what the mom wrote me after reading my monthly newsletter. I love reading your emails and still value so much of what I learned in your course. I won't say I always do it perfectly, but I do try. I have an example of a situation that I am finding difficult right now. I am a scout leader at my six-year-old Girl Scouts group. At meetings, I lead a lot of the activities, which means I need to focus and ensure I am fair to everyone. My six-year-old acts out a lot at the meetings. She demands more attention than anybody else and constantly interrupts me. I try to explain nicely that she needs to wait her turn and stop messing around, but she doesn't hear me and she starts to be nasty to me and others around her. It is extremely distracting and I am leading and I don't have the option to remove her from the situation and have a chat about it. I ended up annoyed by the end of the meeting last week and embarrassed, as there are other parents there too. I have tried to explain calmly when we are at home that I love her very much, but I cannot give her special attention at Scouts. I explain that she needs to view me as if I'm a teacher in this situation. The next meeting is coming up soon, and I am dreading it. Do you have any suggestions on how to avoid a similar situation? Thanks, Nancy. Nancy's issues of a child behaving badly in public certainly aren't unique, but coming up with some ideas that would best fit her daughter's situation was. She was able to continue explaining to me how her daughter 
is really hard on herself, that she gets really upset when she isn't doing something perfectly and feels even worse when others notice and when, they, when they're in public. It seemed to me that she was getting the impression she had to be perfect all the time, that she wasn't getting enough grit in her life. We decided that Nancy needed to sit down with Jenny and have a heart-to-heart before the next Girl Scout meeting to try to sort things out. My advice was to make sure she used lots of open-ended questions and not lecture Jenny on what the outcome should be. Her daughter needed to know that she was loved no matter how she behaved and help her learn how to have grit and know that things can get better even if they go badly sometimes. She's only six, so she'll have plenty of time to practice grit, especially if they start now. Nancy also thought there might be a complicating factor with her daughter reacting very to the very sugary snacks that the families brought to start off each meeting. And we decided that Nancy should do some brainstorming with Jenny on that topic as well. So here's what Nancy wrote back. Hi, Mary. I had a chat with Jenny this afternoon about the meeting. We sat on a beanbag in her room, and I gave her a hug, and I told her that I love her always, no matter what. Then I said, you know how I chose to lead the scouts this year and just was wondering if you like that, that I do that or would prefer I didn't. She said she really liked it and loved spending time with me there. Then I asked, how do you think the last meeting went? She replied, not too good. What do you think was not so good? I acted out and I was mean to you and others. I asked her how she felt at the last meeting angry, frustrated, and embarrassed because I was being bad. I asked how it made her feel when I corrected her and asked her to stop doing something. She said that it embarrassed her and she felt like she was being bad. I asked her what she would like to do at the next meeting if I need to say something to her. She suggested I go outside to talk. Now notice mom was using some open-ended questions to get her daughter to think of solutions. I said, good idea, but if I'm in the middle of something and can't leave, what should I do? She thought a bit. I then suggested that maybe we should have a secret code so that I could tell her when I needed her to stop doing something or pay pay attention without others knowing. She loved the idea. I asked her to think of what we could use as a code. We had a bit of fun and, and laughed together at some of the funny ideas she came up with. She thought of five, and then I asked her to select one she liked most. She picked a small teddy bear. I took that teddy bear and put it in the scout's backpack for tomorrow. She suggested then that maybe we could have a different code every week, and I agreed that was a great idea. We also agreed that if she was feeling upset or angry, that she could go outside the door for a break to reset regardless of what was going on. We then got on to brainstorming about the snack. That was kind of easy as she's she's also dairy-free right now for allergy reasons. I asked what she thought of the snacks and she said she didn't know what it might be the next time and if it was milk and cookies, she might not be able to have it. So I said, what could we do if it is? She suggested waiting until she got, got home and then having something. I said, what if you're hungry? And she then suggested we bring something from home in case. Notice the open-ended question she was asking. We went out to the kitchen, and she chose the snacks and drink she wanted to take and was happy with that. I finished off by asking if we could have another chat after the meeting to see how she thought it went 
She agreed that that would be a good idea. Fingers crossed for tomorrow, and then the mom signed off. Well, that was really cool, wasn't it? Having that discussion, that brainstorming, she did some special time. Well, what happened later was even more amazing, if you ask me. A few days later, I followed up with Nancy, and here's what she wrote back to me. The meeting went so much better than last time. I gave her a lot of space and let her realize when she was needing to share things like glue. Then we had a, the, the moment that could have turned the, turned the whole meeting to, into a disaster. Her little three-year-old sister walked on her art project and got glue on a place it should not have gone. She got really annoyed and hit her. Sister screamed and hit back. Oh my. I didn't say a word, took sister away, got Teddy from the backpack and handed it to Jenny. She looked at me and kind of nodded and smiled and got back to her project. A minute later, she came to me and handed back the Teddy. So simple. It diffused the whole situation without me needing to say a word. The rest of the meeting went really smoothly, and we all went home happy. We talked about it after, and she agreed it was a much better meeting. She was excited to pick another secret code for our next meeting. Wow. Amazing how that brainstorming really turned around. Not only the bad behavior, but it really empowered Jenny in a way that really built more confidence and grit into her. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and have some new ideas or refreshed ones, refresh some old ones on how to get more calm into your family. By keeping calm and not taking offense at your child's tantrums, by allowing your children to have calm down time, and then, when needed, creating special time with them so you can brainstorm ideas about how to help and empower them in the future to keep calm themselves before the tantrums arise. I hope it all really helps you. I look forward to continuing to decode the practical world of parenting in the future. If you have parenting issues that you need help with, please write me. These times we're going through right now are really difficult. And if I can help you in any way, please know that I'm here for you. You can always follow me also on Instagram. You could sign up for my newsletter, but you can email me directly, mary at parentingwithlogic.com. May you keep safe in these difficult times.